I'm Katie McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. As we've been talking about liturgical living over the past few weeks, I've been doing quite a bit of liturgical living myself. And I'm not saying that to brag, I'm just saying, you know, because of some of the various conversations that I got to have over the course of these podcast recordings, and then of course just normal everyday life, we've been in the thick of liturgical living using Erica Ty Campbell's new book, Living the Seasons, and taking advantage of some of the really great products that Catholic Family Crate, we subscribe and we get all those things right to our door, anticipating Advent and even Lent, making sure I have my reflection books, and I've already gone ahead and bought my Advent candles because here in Southwest Louisiana, I stupidly every year store our Advent candles in the attic, and then they get all overheated in the summer, and they mush together, and it's a whole big thing. So Amazon Prime Days took advantage of buying some Advent candles early. You know, in the midst of all of this liturgical life and living these seasons, it kind of always comes up in both conversations in my house and even in my personal prayer and as we work on this podcast series it kind of keeps coming back up in my head how living liturgically is really just pursuing integration into our lives. What I hear at daily Mass affects maybe the conversations I have with my spouse, or knowing that we're in the midst of ordinary time, and if you've noticed over the past few weeks, all of the readings at Mass on Sundays have been these parables about vineyards, and Jesus has been really harping on this idea of working in the vineyard and How can that influence maybe the way that we in our home are living our faith? That liturgical living includes maybe the decor that we set in our home and and the menu that we plan for our families and, and even just the disposition of our heart. That integration, as Catholics, it can look a lot of different ways. And I think what's really cool is that so many different people have pursued creative ways to integrate the church into our lives. That yes, maybe it's the piece of art that you hang on the wall, or the meal that you plan, or the conversation that you have at the dinner table. But maybe also it's what you wear, or how you plan your week. Maybe also it's what can we do to really bring forth these various things that we pay attention to in our church life, we bring those things into our normal everyday life. And when I say normal and I say everyday, I mean how can we bring our faith into even what seems kind of forgettable or something that you've maybe never even really thought about a whole lot before. That, yeah, I have to be really intentional when I plan the menu for my family or I think about the activity that we're going to do to celebrate the Feast of the Guardian Angels. But you know what I don't think about all that often in my life? What I'm putting on my feet I mean, other than shoes, I'm very particular about my shoes, but that's mostly because I have plantar fasciitis and so I really care about what kind of shoes I'm wearing because I don't want my feet to hurt, but I don't really think all that often about my socks. I'd go so far as to say there have been times where I just kind of askew socks completely and I just don't wear them at all, unless they have saints on them. Years ago, I had the great joy of getting to know Scott and Elizabeth Williams. They've become dear friends of mine. And Scott, see, he has thought about his socks and his faith, and in a very creative way, has figured out how to integrate his love of Catholicism with his love of fun socks. And I'm, I'm not being cutesy when I say that there is a way to integrate our faith, even in what we're putting on our feet. You know, they say that we walk by faith, not by sight, so you might as well walk with some saints on your feet. 
I've watched the growth of sock religious, now known as Catholic Concepts, and all of the incredible products that they've created. I've watched this company grow over the years. I've been a big fan of their products over the years. Just last week, for my dad's birthday, I gave him a pair of their brand new St. Paul socks. Sock Religious has sponsored this podcast. And we really, we wanted to sit down and have a conversation with Scott and Elizabeth, not just about the socks, although that is a part of this conversation, but how they created a Catholic business that was focused on living the faith in areas of our life where maybe you haven't thought about the faith, like the sock wear that you put on your feet, or the calendar that you hang on your wall, or the blanket that you cuddle up with for family movie night. How can we integrate our faith in the things that we purchase and the things that we wear and the things that we give to other people? Because that really is what liturgical living is all about, that integration. That yes, it's the very obvious Advent wreath or Lenten fast. Yes, it's the way you plan a meal for this person's saint's feast day or the art that you hang in your home during a specific liturgical season. But it's also, what is it that you keep in the sock drawer? And what is it that you think about on this or that particular feast day? What is it that maybe you need in this or that particular moment? You know, I'll give you an example. I wear a pair of American Airlines socks when I travel. And it's kind of like this silly little lucky charm thing. And I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious in the words of Michael Scott. And just the other day, my American Airlines socks that I've literally worn for every flight, and I fly a lot, I've worn for nearly every flight for four plus years. There's a giant hole in the heel of the sock. And so I went to go grab the socks and I remembered, oh my gosh, there's this giant hole in the socks. And I kind of, I felt a little sad in that moment because I really, really liked those socks. Then I thought to myself, you know what? I've got countless pairs of Catholic saint socks. Which saint can I take with me the next time I'm traveling? And that can kind of be my quote unquote lucky charm. So I grabbed a pair of divine mercy socks because I have a big devotion to divine mercy in my life. And you know what? I felt just as safe and just as comfortable and just as lucky wearing those socks as I did the American Airlines socks. Consider me converted. Now, is that liturgical living? Well, maybe by definition, no. But is it integrated Catholic living, putting on a pair of Catholic socks before I get on an airplane? Yeah. And Scott and Elizabeth have really started an entire segment of the Catholic marketplace, have really started a lot of conversations about how to integrate even what we're wearing on our feet into the living of our faith. This is all part of our Ave Explorers Liturgical Living, Living the Seasons series. You can find everything over on the Ave Maria Press website. We'd be grateful for a follow, a rating, and a review. We've got a couple more weeks of episodes coming. We know you're going to love the content that we've continued to create. And I know that right now you're going to love this conversation with Scott and Elizabeth Williams of Catholic Concepts. Scott, Elizabeth, welcome to Ave Explorers. It's a joy to be here. Thanks, Thanks Katie. Yeah, it's great to see you guys. I feel like I need to tell people y'all have like a legit setup for audio uh, because this is not your first podcast rodeo. You have a podcast, Scott, <laughs> um, that you have helped people get ready for mass for, for years. Tell us a little bit about who y'all are, where you are, what you do. Maybe tell us about that podcast so folks can go download it. Yeah. Uh, so the podcast name, it's called All Set for Sunday. It's a it's a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. And it's really helpful. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, it, it honestly was born out of like, I need this. I was not somebody that would be able to sit down, you know, before Mass and like 
really prepare for the readings and and all that kind of good stuff. I know it's a good thing to do, but we have a uh, a five year old and a two year old at home, and they're a lot. Um, and every <laughs> every Sunday, I spend a good majority of the mass going in and out of church, mm-hmm. like Last into the narthex. We stayed in the whole time. Yeah, we did. So we're- that's a milestone. That's like worth that. tweeting about the the it first was. mass you don't leave for, and then you're sad because exactly. you're like, oh, they're growing up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, we, so I I kind of built it for accountability for myself. Myself and Jeff Trailer is a, a a dear friend and and a colleague actually at Catholic Concepts has uh, he we did this before he even started working for us and it's it was basically just a way for us to keep ourselves accountable to to read the the scriptures for that week. And what we do is have kind of a dialogue of what that the the priest is going to talk about that Sunday in his homily. Um, and we poke holes in it and ask questions. <laughs> and then we have a segment at the end called Dumb Questions, where we just ask a, a series of dumb questions to a priest. So yeah, that's right. awesome. I feel like a couple of weeks ago, I was ready. I was like, oh, I'll take Hannah. I, I've kind of yeah. prepared. I was like... <laughs> less um oh my gosh we have to like leave and we're getting all these stairs and i was like okay well we can just go and we'll still listen i i can kind of keep up with what's going on yeah it's a hoot though so it's a lot of fun this is a perfect intro i mean yes you're promoting that podcast but why was it important for you guys to be prepared for mass and not just you know show up because i think most people are just like look i went i punched my card i sat there Uh, I kind of half paid attention, but I did. I fulfilled my obligation. Like you wanted to be more than just I fulfilled my obligation. You like wanted to get something out of it. Why was that? Because going to mass with kids is hard. Like, (laughs) like to put it simply, and and I'm somebody that that loves the beauty of the liturgy. I love everything uh, about it, and um, bringing kids into that mix makes it harder. And the more that we can give people tools to be able to to fully experience the 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 beauty of the liturgy because a lot of times people will go to mass with their kids and it's hard and then they don't come they stop coming because it was a distraction it was it was difficult they felt like they were being a nuisance to other people and and I I don't know I just I I know that it's good to go to mass and mm-hmm. I want more people to go so we I mean we developed this to help combat that a little bit and help connect the dots for things that you miss so okay. yeah I found is what's been really cool for me personally is I mean I've been going to mass since I was born like it's <laughs> definitely like mm-hmm. part of my life my routine my my upbringing my everything but really diving into the scripture, really diving into like what the the word of God is living and effective. And um, we're given those, those beautiful words on like each day and they actually are alive. They actually, they produce fruit. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't want to be ignorant of what that fruit could be. We've got a kid that's learning to read that has like these sight words, that has all these things going on and like showing him where these words are and putting them together in, in the the biggest context he could ever have, like the most important context, like what a gift that is. And so mm-hmm. if we can be a little bit more keyed in on those things for ourselves, then we can be a little bit more present to our kids as they're growing up and to each other as we navigate life really yeah i like that idea keyed in like we don't want Mm -hmm. this to just be casual oh yeah we're catholic it's like this little side thing but no this is our whole lives and everything kind of flows from that elizabeth you're you're a cradle catholic scott you're a cradle catholic both cradles 
Yeah, there was things in my like junior high and high school beca- that became more important and then kind of had somewhat of a reconversion yeah. uh, later on. But but yeah, I was I was baptized as a baby. <laughs> I um, <laughs> It's always interesting. I was just having this debate with somebody. Debate is a strong word. We were discussing where she was like, you know, I had to fight for my Catholicism because she's a convert. And I was like, well, I mean, I, yeah, sure. Like, I didn't have to, like, go tell a group of people in my life I'm leaving behind my faith tradition. But I. I did have to fight to own it myself. Like, I think everybody kind of goes through that. Like you just said, there were things in my life that were more important. And then the faith became this this major priority. What did that look like for you guys? Scott, I know you have a background in ministry. Uh, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. I think you do too? A little bit. Tell me the story of like when when faith became important for you guys. Similarly, I so I, I was I was raised Catholic. You know, sports and things like that became more important. And I got, there was a point in my college career where I started to become tested in my faith. I went to a, a public high school. Every school that I went to was public until I went to, to graduate school. And um, so I didn't have that, that firm foundation, but I knew what was, what was true. I, I knew, um, I knew that I was Catholic. I didn't identified as Catholic, but I didn't know all of the answers. So when I was challenged on some apologetic type things, uh, I really had to seek those answers for myself so that I could defend the thing that I believed in, even though I didn't know all of that. And then that was just a rabbit hole that I I went down and I became more passionate about and started to become, you know, more involved in the in the research and the internet's great and helped me to, to combat some of that. So that was really the beginning of it. Yeah. So looking for answers really kind of yeah, helped exactly. solidify that firm foundation. What about for you, Elizabeth? Um, yeah, I had always been going to mass. My mom was always in, um, involved in the liturgy. She was a Eucharistic minister. I remember there was one time where I like ran up after her. Um, she was a single mom. So it was just me and my brother with her. I ran up after her to go to commute to like, yeah, on the (laughs) altar. And I, it was, it was a whole thing. Um, so it's, it's always been a part of my life. We were in sacristies growing up. My brother was server. I was like, I think I was the first female server Ooh. at my school growing up. So like, I've just always been around um, the Eucharist and my mom always had an adoration hour. And so it was really instilled just in what we did. She talked about it, but frankly, as like a single mom with a full-time job, you're, we're just moving, moving, mm-hmm. moving. We were doing the sports, we were doing all the things, but like the foundation that she set, set me off, um, in, in such a powerful way that that just was my comfort. It mm. was my place to be. The adoration chapel was somewhere I always wanted to be. So I had an hour from like a younger age and we had an hour mm-hmm. together when we were dating, engaged. 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 So we would, you know, 6 a.m. meet. You would come from downtown. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just for <laughs> just for you and Jesus. You drive like, what, 25 minutes? Yeah. 30, I say everything's 30 minutes. Everything's 30 minutes. So yeah, Indianapolis would, is like a 30 minute town. Yeah. <laughs> and he would get, he would get there and then we'd both go to work wherever we were. You'd go back downtown to work. I'd, yeah. So it was definitely something that um, I always knew was true. And I continued to, to let that be revealed in different ways. Mm. When I was single, when we were dating, when we were getting married, like it was just these, these layers, I guess, of an onion just to continue to, to dive deeper into it and, and discover new, new things. I felt like God was very patient with me when I was like, Oh, this is, 
this is really you? Or like, oh, like even like the gospel, I was like, oh, Jesus wants like to continue to like heal and 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 care for people today. Like, oh, and he's like, yeah, I've I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> So it's it's just been a journey that that has really continued, but it's been like more of a a, a peaceful peaceful journey. I remember I was in California for um like a volunteer thing I was doing, and everyone else was um, not focused on going to mass. So I took one of the twelve passenger vans, and I'm like, "Well, I'm going to mass. Like that's my <laughs> that's what I'm doing." It was like right after college, and like we got like six people to come with me like every week to just go. And I was like, well, why would we not like, nice. so it was, it was just kind of a, kind of a cool thing. Yeah. I like that, that concept, that idea of, I mean, this is, this is this foundation. I want to build upon it. I'm going to keep pulling back the layers. We're all millennial parents raising little kids. I have a six and three. By the time this airs, she'll be three. Mm -hmm. We're recording it. She's like five days away from her birthday, which reminds (laughs) me that I need to go buy some presents. (laughs) Second kid problems, Claire. Uh, She'll listen to this someday and realize, mommy was I was ready. I just, you know, there's some things I need to put in a target cart. But do you all feel like we're kind of in a golden age of resources that are available to us to do this for our kids? Not that our parents didn't do this for us, but it just feels like because of the internet, because of the connectedness on social media, I can see more families doing it. And so I am kind of encouraged to do it more or I'm able to find the things that I need. I don't have to go create it all by myself. That's the question, I guess. Do y'all feel like we're in a golden age to be able to do this with our own kids, with our own families? It's a really fun time to see what's out there. I've I've loved it when I have specific needs that I need to see or just (laughs) reminders. It's been really overwhelming for me. I remember with Hannah... Um, being up, like feeding her, caring for her overnight, like diving into the social media, Catholic parenting world was very overwhelming for mm-hmm. me. And I think it created some, I don't want to say, I don't know about bad habits, but just like a little bit of overwhelm and like, I'm not doing it right or good enough, or I'm tired. And um, so I have personally have had to be a little bit uh, more protective of that time that I give to those resources mm. um, and kind of understand where I am as a, as a person, as a mom. And if I'm being pulled away from Scott or being pulled away from like the kids and like what I want to see, a lot of times I have ideas that have come from other things that I want to see happen. And the kids are like, well, there was two minutes of interest and then they're done or like they've just, they're like, well, this isn't that fun. And I was like, yes, it is. Are you not learning about this? We are baking cupcakes for Mary and everyone's going to enjoy it. Yeah, Like I shouldn't be like yelling at my kids because they want to help, you know, like, so so really it's it's focus for me to, to really monitor how I'm doing. And like, if I'm the, the best things we've done are what Scott and I've done together and are mm. making the idea and, and maybe I'll carry it out more, but like things that we've kind of brought together to say, like, this is actually where our family is. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to be in a different place sometimes, but like, here's, here's where we are and what we can handle. And, and here's where we can, the, the grace can be there and it can be beautiful, but like, don't, don't get, don't get so far out there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think there's also, I mean, we're on the brink of a lot of great things happening in the church for young people, it seems like as well. Like I know um, Spirit Juice Studios just released a 
juice box. There's Brother Francis. And we're just kind of on the other side of that threshold where we're not quite over like the there's like engaging media for young people, which I think is really fascinating and 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 kind of a trailblazing opportunity that hasn't existed before. Yeah. Um, but you know, our son's just coming into kindergarten. He's starting to learn things. Uh, like I love seeing that there's a religion section of things that he is learning about at school and learning about the saints. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of value and there's a lot of of things on the on the on the on the front burner that are about to happen as well. So I have a lot of a lot of hope for that in the near future too. It's funny that you mention at school because I feel like my kids teach me more about the liturgical year with the papers that they bring home. <laughs> because there is this real focus of like, okay, it's a saint's feast day. We can do a color sheet. Like yep. it's a Marian thing. Like we can do 30 minutes in a classroom on that. Just yesterday I I was cleaning through some of our, this is going to sound very bougie, but I was cleaning through our liturgical living cabinet that I've created of like all of the different things. Cause I, I finally just needed to organize all of the stuff. And I was just in like a nesting mode with it. I think because three years ago when I gave birth to Claire, I wasn't able to nest because we were evacuated. Mm. So now it's like the body keeps the score. Wow. Three years later, I'm doing all that stuff that I couldn't do. Yeah. Anyway, I found an extra copy of the Anima Christi in like this really ah, cool art print. I'm, just, I'm sorry. I've just like fallen back in love. Oh, yeah. It. Well, so you'll appreciate <laughs> just this. Just print it off and put it on my desk. Two copies. And I was yesterday and I was like, well, you can have one because I don't I guess I don't need to. <laughs> it's the Eucharistic revival, I think, is reminding people that this ancient prayer is actually the perfect thing to say after mm. receiving communion. Our diocese, um, there's like three or four parishes in our diocese. That's the meditation hymn is the Anima Christi, a sung version that was actually written by a musician who visited Lake Charles in the 80s or 90s for some parish mission thing. And she wrote it. And and I'll, I'll send you a recording of it because like our mm. kids have known it since they were born. Claire knows that that signals the end of mass. Like mass is almost yeah. over because she'll look at us and she'll go, go home time, go home time. Like She <laughs> knows it now. So I sent it with Rose to school and the teacher wrote a note back and she said, oh my gosh, where'd you get this? I want copies to be able to send home to all of our families. And, and it warmed my heart that in our Catholic school, there's this desire to share those resources. This was something you guys have picked up on. And like, I, I'm going to say it from a professional perspective, but also from a personal perspective, we're friends. I know you guys, y'all know us. Like, I, it's not just a business moneymaker, but Catholic Concepts was really born from this desire to provide things for people who do want to build that firm foundation, who want to peel back the layers. Yeah. Like we're talking about in your perfect life. Tell me that story, because I, I think it's a story, Scott, you've told it on the radio a handful of times, but I really want to get into the nitty gritty of like the idea for sacrilegious, which became Catholic Concepts, which is now including of our holy home. And you need to know that all the Sisters of Life are very jealous of my sister's States of Faith hoodie that I gave her because they're like, can we get one for us? Uh, so so your stuff is kind of all over my house. But but tell us the idea of Catholic Concepts and, and sacrilegious. Yeah, so it, it started as, as sacrilegious in uh, October of 2017 is where the idea really came from. I was working full time in Catholic youth ministry uh, for about ten years. I worked. I was at that point. I was the, I believe, the director of youth ministry for the archdiocese, or or somewhere in that that range. I was working at the diocese. I was wearing a suit and tie to, or a shirt and tie to work most days. And uh, I came from a youth ministry background, so uh, you know, I still needed to find a way to express myself in a, a corporate setting, if you will. So socks became my fun thing to to you know add a little flair to my day. So I'd wear donut socks on National Donut Day. I'd wear 
you know, patriotic socks on the 4th of July or whatever it might be. And we thought, well, what if, what if instead of celebrating, you know, secular holidays with socks, we were able to celebrate feast days with socks? Yeah. So we're driving to Chicago and he has this idea. And and so we're talking about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, what about this and this? And I was like, oh, that was a fun conversation. Now that's over. Let's go <laughs> have our like weekend. And then he comes back. What did it, I mean, within a, a week, I kind of like found a source of somebody that would make socks. I, <laughs> I pinged my friend that worked at the Archdiocese to help me design our first sock. And uh, I kind of came back with this, you know, what we call like an MVP, like a minimum viable product of what this could be. And uh, we, I, I was like, it will cost this much to take a, a, a gamble on this to roll the dice. And if you know Indianapolis and you know youth ministry, Catholic stuff, uh, November is the National Catholic Youth Conference. So we were a month away from that. And I thought, well, if this thing's going to have legs, uh, no pun intended, uh, this is where <laughs> where socks would sell. And so we made one sock. It was the the Pope Francis sock. Um and we, I was like, can I buy 1200 of them? And she was like, <laughs> I, the incredible, um, wet blanket I am sometimes was like, you can buy 600. Yeah. I was like, that was a great idea. Like yep. I am just so, so helpful. So we bought the first, first round. We had them shipped to our house and, uh, we took them to the national Catholic youth conference and I was, I was working at the diocese. So I had like a significant role at the actual event. Yeah. He couldn't be at the booth. So, so it was like his mom and me yeah. right? yep. with like a half sign was holy socks back then. Mm -hmm. And socks. he would come in and just check on us. And then he would go back and, you know, work from like 6am to midnight every yeah. day with his actual responsibilities. You drove and me on a golf cart at that NCYC. So I know that you were doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was. I had a golf cart. What happened was we sold out and like, eight show hours. So we, wow. we sold out very quickly and we realized that we had something here. We realized that, that this just wasn't like a goofy, funny thing. And it was like, it's goofy and funny and like there's humor in it, but there's something, there was something deeper than that. We found uh, what we like to call was like our niche audience was Catholics that take their faith seriously, but not themselves. Mm. And, um, and we, we realized that there's, there's real potential here that, that people can, can wear socks, they can wear them to church, but they can also, you know, wear them in the boardroom. They can wear them to their job and start legitimate conversations about the faith. Mm -hmm. And coming from a world of, of youth ministry, um, I am someone that can fake being an extrovert, but I am very much an introvert. And I think you're similar, Katie. Is that very right? Much so we can yeah. put on that mask if we need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I always thought that the hardest part about the evangelization process was really just starting the conversation. And once I was able to like get the ball rolling on uh, talking about my faith and talking about experiences that I've had and my own journey and my own witness and asking people about where they are, I loved being with people on that journey of faith, but getting the ball rolling was really hard for me. So mm. being able to provide products where people are able to speak into or like ask questions, but also like be able to tell a little bit of their own witness and their own story. Um, so I just, I'm a huge believer that so much can happen with that. And if we can start more conversations, we can bring more people to Christ. And we kind of give you the, the, um, information, if you will, like on the tag has like some information about that saint, their story mm -hmm. and inside, like 
all of our socks are these beautiful details. Like we found the lace pattern. St. Louis and Zoe. Yeah. yeah. Saint- the the yeah. lace pattern that she was like working on. We, we have actual braille in our sock for St. Lucy. Um, you know, it's not, I don't know if you can really, but anyway, it's, there's actual like mm-hmm. braille in a sock. And so like, it's, it's just incredible. The kind of ideas that have come from our like creative areas that really make the. Yeah. The goal being able to like start a conversation, but also be able to have a, uh, a good conversation about mm-hmm. the life of that saint. So. And also, I think it it gives people the chance to like celebrate, you know, I, yeah. I some days. Yeah. I'm just like grabbing a random pair of socks. Oh, Therese is <laughs> on today. But like October 1st, I go find the socks and I put them on <laughs> for her feast day. You know, like my my daughter Rose was so excited because on like the free dress day that they get to wear at school for their birthday month. She got to wear, I wouldn't let her wear the Rose of Lima socks because they were just way too big and like went yeah. all the way up to her thighs. <laughs> so she chose the Wise Men socks because for some reason those are her favorite. So end of August, she's wearing Christmas socks on her free dress day and everybody <laughs> asked her about them. Um, we, I, j- we just said goodbye to a beloved sister of ours in our diocese who is moving back up to the mother house in Alma, Michigan. What do you give a nun as a going away present? Because like they can't keep stuff. But they need socks. And so she got a pair of St. Monica socks. And as soon as she saw them, she went, how did you know? And she pulled out this little St. Monica Novena card out of the top of her desk. And she said, this is who I've been praying to ever since she got this new assignment to be the postulant mistress on St. Monica's feast day. And it's like, I had no idea. So the socks were kind of this gift that I was giving her because I had a second pair that you guys had sent me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and now I've got this gift for this this nun. So th- this opportunity for conversation and opportunity for celebration how did it grow from there? You sell all 600 at NCYC. I remember the next year, NCYC 2019, I got to host it. And Father Agostino and I showed off our socks on stage that first night. And I think you guys sold out then, too. When did you awesome. realize this isn't just a sock company? This isn't just let's create some fun things for people to wear. But like this could be something that helps anchor people and help them. I mean, I'll, I'll bring the words in for this whole season, like liturgical living, like help people count the days of our year and actually celebrate these particular seasons and y'all expanded beyond socks tell us that part yeah so i mean honestly it was pretty quickly um you know after we sold out at the initial event we already we we kind of put up a, a sign with our web- website and we very quickly like put together a an e-commerce page for people to to, to buy them and our goal was well maybe we can get another batch in in time for for christmas presents mm. And uh, so pretty quickly we realized that we had we had something that 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 people were in, enjoying and and a lot has changed since then and and there's a there's a ton of people doing incredible stuff. But my experience was when I went to a Catholic gift shop or bookstore, you saw a lot of the same stuff. You would mm-hmm. see a lot of medals, you'd see a lot of rosaries and statues and, and things like that. Um, but there wasn't a whole lot of new or vibrant, things that that were were offered as as catholic gifts mm-hmm. and um you know if if your confirmation sponsor already has a prayer card and a, a statue or whatever of the saint that they're you know using as their confirmation saint you know this became like a new fun gift that somebody could give to to share in in their faith but it to me, it really goes back to that conversation starter piece. And we and we have no desire to 
to really become competitors in the market with with anybody. Like we want to do unique things that help people live out their faith and be able to start more conversations about their faith and to live out the values of of being Catholic in their home in their everyday life and not just on Sunday. Mm. Um, I think that that is where a lot of that passion came from. Um, we as we continued to grow the the brand and the company, uh, it was it was only a couple of years before I, you know, it, it got to the point where it wasn't I, like I couldn't sustain it myself or in our home. Like we would spend hours at night in our spare bedroom packing out orders and 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 things like that. Uh, and so I ended up going into it full time. I think maybe two years in, but we just started kind of increasing the number of socks and designs that we had. Um, and it got to the point where we just needed more help and we continued to grow. And as we built in a, a team of people that were bought in on our mission, there's a lot of creativity that came with that as well. Mm. Um, and the name sock religious kind of puts us into the corner of, of a particular type of product or, or, and it has like soccer religious has a personality. It has mm. a, a, uh, it's like, joyful, witty, humor, reverent, faithful humor type stuff. Um, but like beautiful things that you would put in your home or something like that wouldn't necessarily fit in this product category. And the name soccer really just kind of put us into a corner as well. So we rebranded as Catholic Concepts as an umbrella company that has several brands that exist within its um uh portfolio, if you will, that's not the right word, but uh, <laughs> that serve different demographics within the Catholic market. Do you want to speak into that a little bit? Yeah. So, but what's cool about um, our Holy Home, especially is the truths of the church can be lived anywhere. So they can be shared in the saints. They can be shared at mass You with, you know, adoration and in and, and the sacraments, especially, but also the, the truths of the church are found in its people and the domestic church, um, and in our homes. And so we are kind of the people that when you look around our home, when we, there's a lot of religious items. Mm -hmm. Our realtor didn't, she, she's a friend and she knew she didn't, we were selling our house and she didn't say, take your religious items down, mm -hmm. but she did make a note later that she there did. were some people who commented <laughs> that anywhere they went, there was, somebody looking at them basically yeah. <laughs> that's a great way of putting it it's all these yeah. faces of holy people yes. yeah <laughs> and so when we we moved and in this like nesting and in this um what what do we want to create our home to be like we want it to be um the home of our domestic church but we also want it to be for our community and mm -hmm. to welcome people and to make people feel at ease when they come in and and um welcome so what does that look like? I'm not a big like decorator. I'm not a big like, I don't know, interior direct decoration person, but I do think it has meaning and it should be done with care. Mm -hmm. Also, mm -hmm. I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of money every time there's a new month or a new something to make it fresh. So yeah. what are the the living things that we can do? As you kind of said with your, um, your liturgical living kind mm -hmm. of like Bougie Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what are those things that we can switch out here and there? And what are the things that are just going to stay 
mm-hmm. um, forever, but, but some things are going to be a little bit more obvious and mm-hmm. some things are going to be a little bit more subtle. Yeah. And so we've really found that that subtlety and that beauty that speaks to truth or like we have this fuzzy, beautiful blanket with a, um, a host on it that mm-hmm. says, Ocelitaris hostia, like, what does that actually mean? And then bringing them into like benediction and what, you know, what does that actually mean? Or, you know, maybe nobody notices that, but it's a comfy blanket. That means like, welcome, like stay here for a minute. And when we talked and dreamed about like what we want our family and our home to, to look like one of the things that Elizabeth brought up, and I think everybody can probably relate to this when you're growing up there, you can probably think of someone's house that like all of your friends gravitated to. Like it was, it might not have been like the cleanest house or, or the, you know, the perfect house, but it was a a place that, that felt like home and that your friends wanted to be. And we were, we were trying to like, think what, what is a way that we can develop a place that is uh, a place of peace, a place of, of hospitality and to really truly live out like the, the, the values of Christian hospitality in our own home so that our home can be a place where our kids' friends want to come and be Mm. uh, and feel like they're at home. Yeah. I I tell this story earlier in one of the episodes, so I'll mention it quickly here. I had a babysitter one time who she like brought us upstairs to get us ready for bed. And my mom had these, these, now I know like these little altars, but at the time I just thought of it as like a shelf. And on the shelf was uh, like a small printed version of our baptismal certificate and like the cup that the priest had used. And when I made first communion, you know, everybody got those little communion booklets that you were the little missiles that I don't Mm -hmm. even think those things are in print anymore. But I'm sure Rose would love if I gave her my old one. Bring that back. The old school little missiles that kids would get for first communion. And she made and there was this giant crucifix above the bathroom door. Because that was like the center of the hallway was the bathroom. And so above it, there was a crucifix. And she made the comment, oh, I just love it when houses have Catholic stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and like I just never it occurred to me that houses didn't have Catholic stuff because we had <laughs> lots of it. And now mm-hmm. you like walk into my home and I don't think you can hit a room without some sort of Marian statue. Or Tommy just asked me the other day, why do we have so many Holy Family statues like in these three rooms across? across the dining room, the living room, and the kitchen. It's like, well, why not? Like, why wouldn't you want all this incredible Catholic imagery surrounding you, kind of challenging you to be better? What What do you think the value of that is in the long term? Like, it's creating this home where people feel welcome. But then, like, for our own kids, for you guys as a married couple who are literally running a Catholic company, and then you're going home and, like, you're still surrounded by all this Catholic stuff. And that's good, of course. Like that's it, it's more than just your work; it is your life. But what's the long term benefit of embracing a holy home, of trying to make the faith this priority, and and peeling back the layers? What do you? What's the goal in all of that for you guys? Sainthood, uh, I, like in, <laughs> right in short, yeah. I I think in short that's that's what we want to do, and I'm the type of person that needs lots of reminders of of something to be able to like. I have probably three different ways of, of tracking to do's and they, they're all useful and like there probably has similar things on it. Um, but I need lots of reminders of like little moments of respite and prayer. And if I, if I didn't have that, and I remember like working in a, in a secular environment where I was, you know, selling wine and I didn't, didn't have that. I think I yearned 
for it, but I didn't know that that's what I was missing. So mm. the the more like the little reminders that we can put in our in our lives, uh, in our the things that we wear, the you know phones or what, whatever it might be, the more places that we can put reminders of our faith and of the lives of the saints and and holiness, the more I'm reminded myself to be a good like when I see a holy family image. It reminds me that I I should be more like Saint Joseph and love my my family the way that Saint Joseph did. That to me is more opportunities for me to grow in virtue, for me to to remind myself to to lead my family in in prayer and holiness, and uh, continue just to have that in the forefront is really important to me. Yeah, um, I really love the the subtlety of the the beauty because I feel like this the world wants us to go so fast. The world wants us to not stop and contemplate, not stop and rest, not stop and realize pieces available to you outside of your circumstances or no matter what your circumstances are. And I'm actively like learning that and trying to model that and failing at that. (laughs) Like I've never apologized so much to a five-year-old for just like keeping, like learning how to, to stay in that peaceful moment because I don't know, as a mom, I feel like the devil just wants you to be harried and moving on to the next mm-hmm. thing and just forgetful of what the actual, like God wants to come to us. Like he came to us in the mass. He came to us in the Eucharist. Like, I think he wants to come to us in our homes too. I don't know. For me, that reality is really sunk in um, as I get very easily distracted and my memory is terrible pregnancy brain just turned into mom brain. I've heard, I've heard that a few times that <laughs> like, true. I like reading the readings in the morning, diving into the word. It's not quite Lectio Divina, but it's contemplating mm-hmm. the readings. I've an hour later forgotten. <laughs> yeah. So I try to hold on to those little, you know, those, those few words or that phrase or this. And even then, like, I also need those reminders. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been something, something for me is just finding peace where we are and then sharing that peace with others, um, has just really been a huge challenge, yeah. but where I feel like I am. I think that's a, it all, I think reminds us of that, that need to constantly, I mean, Jesus literally says it, do this in remembrance of me, like memory of me. We're supposed to kind of continue to go back to that and our home should be a reflection of that. We've ended all of our podcasts this season by asking the same question. And uh, it's been a delight to hear the answer be very similar for a lot of folks. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens now. Uh, what is y'all's favorite liturgical season? Maybe it's different. So you each get to answer. Maybe it's the same. Who knows? Um, your favorite liturgical season. And do you have a particular tradition within that season that you really love? I've just fallen more in love with ordinary time and learning more about that, the life of Jesus and and what he was sent to do and what he still wants to do today. I don't know if there's any sort of spe- specific tradition for that other than noticing the colors of the season and really imbuing that into our, into our home. Bet you didn't see that coming. No, I didn't. We haven't had an ordinary time yet. I don't, I don't think, I don't know. We've recorded these like some in August, some in September. My brain is, I have mom brain too. I remember things while I'm doing it. I write notes and then, but I think that might be our first ordinary time. That's awesome. I don't know if I can, uh, can I, can I give a, a liturgical moment instead of a liturgical season? Of course. Is that fair? Yeah. So 
my favorite moment in the the church year calendar is the time between Holy Thursday Mass and uh, the like the Good Friday service. Mm, okay, and being able to walk in to a church and see the doors of the tabernacle open, mm, yeah, and the feeling of stillness and the emptiness of the tomb uh, is something that when I worked at a parish and I like became like, I realized how much was involved in uh, the, the Easter season and all of the different liturgies and planning and everything that comes along with that. I got to go spend time in a church where, you know, during that time, there's the altar of repose where the, the blessed sacrament is reserved in a, in a different place. Um, and, uh, a lot of Eucharistic adoration, things like that, but going into the church and like seeing the empty tabernacle and that stillness to, for me, there was just something there that was palpable that I, that I, that I can't explain in, in words, but I don't always get to, to do it now that we have kids and, and everything else. But I like to go to the church and just like see the, the doors open, mm-hmm. um, and see to, to see the empty tabernacle, um, at least once if I can. Yeah. So yeah, that, does that count? Oh, I've, absolutely. I, I would always, I very much loved walking into the church on Good Friday and the whole church just feels empty. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, you know, something's missing, you know, someone is not there and the sadness and yet the the joy in the same moment of like that grief of like, okay, but Sunday's coming, you know, that resurrection is on its way. Guys, thank you all for sharing your story, for sharing kind of your understanding of liturgical living from both a business perspective and a home perspective. Where can we follow the story of Catholic concepts and sacrilegious and our holy home and states of faith, all of the really cool stuff that you guys are doing? Yeah, catholicconcepts.com is the kind of central location to find all of those things and then be sent forth to all the other, other websites. Awesome. We're going to put a link down in the show notes. I have to say, Sacrilegious was one of the first sponsors of Ave Explorers, actually of the electric waffle. We'll go deep cut ages ago. <laughs> Does I think. No, 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 no. I oh, For copyright yeah. reasons, we had to take everything down because we had stolen so many clips from, <laughs> from the office <laughs> that I had to like remove all of it when my radio career started. But yeah, we, uh, we love you guys and uh, we're so grateful you spent some time with us. Thank you, Katie. This Thank has been awesome. One of my favorite things about Scott and Elizabeth and their story, the creation of the company, the way that they've grown, the people that they employ, the incredible products that they sell, they're the real deal. That's what I love. They're the real deal. That if they weren't making these products, they'd be buying these products. That they had the foresight to realize there's an entire segment of the market. There's an entire group of people who want to be able to live their faith in this fun, creative way and showcase what they believe on their ankles. In their home. I use the Catholic Concepts three-month, comes in a three-month subscription, their weekly calendar, and it allows our family to not just plan our week. We know what's coming up on the calendar. We know what we're going to eat. But it's got this really great section for prayer requests, this really great section for gratitude, a to-do list. It also allows you to pick the time that you're going to go to Mass and put it on your calendar. It gives you kind of a quote of the week from the scripture readings. It's this beautiful way to integrate the planning of your week into the way the faith is going to unfold that week, this particular person's feast day or that particular holy day of obligation. I'm going to go back to that word I used at the start of this, integration, which is what we're all called to. We're called to live an integrated life. 
We don't want to segment our lives. We don't want to fragment our lives. We want to live an integrated life where what I'm doing at Mass on Sunday bleeds into, carries through my entire week. That if I go to noon Mass on a random Wednesday, that that noon Mass on a random Wednesday is going to be this opportunity to infuse my day, not just with grace, but to give me something to think about. You know, just for reference, last week we celebrated the feast of St. John the 23rd. St. John the 23rd is one of my absolute favorite saints. And we celebrate his feast day on October the 11th because that's the day the Second Vatican Council began, which is really kind of a, a cool little fun nugget, right? That his feast day is not the day he was ordained or not the day he died, but the day he started the Second Vatican Council, this massively huge moment in Catholicism. And so for St. John the 23rd's feast day, which is on the anniversary of the start of the Second Vatican Council, I liturgically lived that day by pulling out a copy of Gaudium et Spes, which is a document from the Second Vatican Council, and reading a few pages of it. See, sometimes liturgical living is super simple, but it's about this integration. What can I do on that particular day to remember what's going on in the church and to live that in my life? Not just remember it as like, oh, hey, yeah, that thing is happening in the church, but really live it. And I think what Scott and Elizabeth have done with sacrilegious, with Catholic concepts, with our holy home, what they're doing is really showing us how we all can do that. And they're providing the products to help make that a reality. You should go check out all the great stuff that they're creating. There's a link down in our show notes. And hey, we'd be grateful if you followed this show. Give it a rating. Give it a review. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Post it on your social media. We love new listeners and we're always grateful that you're spending this time with us. We'll be back next week for a wrap up of our season talking with the creator and CEO of Catholic Family Crate to really articulate what it looks like to not just create a business that is focused on liturgical living resources, but how that's impacted her own faith. So we'll see you next week. And we're so grateful that you listened today. 